seems to be moving closer that way for some reason. <laughs> Everybody has the prayer books? Page uh, 16. 16. <laughs> <laughs> topic is the Bumis and we are we reached the the which Bumi? Remember? Six. The sixth Bumi. Okay. And and this Bumi is the Bumi where the Bodhisattva 
has is perfect has perfected the 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 practice of the perfection of wisdom to an exceptional degree. Okay. Now when does the Bodhisattva begin to meditate on emptiness? When does the Bodhisattva begin to meditate on wisdom? Do you remember? <laughs> that was a qu- somewhat of a trick question. <laughs> even before the bodies, even before they were got into any. I mean, it's because of their meditation on on uh, on wisdom or the meditation on emptiness. That's what got them to become bodhisattvas of the first bumi, and that's what got them to be bodhisattvas of the second, and the third, and so forth. So from the very beginning, the bodhisattva is meditating on on emptiness. And because of their deep realizations of emptiness, that's what uh, 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 sort of promotes the Bodhisattva from from Bhumis to the next. Okay, so now all of a sudden you hear that the Bodhisattva has an exceptional uh, uh, practice of the perfection of wisdom. The Bodhisattva has an exceptional uh, realization of of emptiness on this, at the sixth Bhumi. So exactly what are they talking about? And to, to understand that is, uh, remember all those things that we were talking about. Why, what, is it that makes the Bodhis- what is it that makes the Bodhisattva's meditation on emptiness uh, so profound that it, makes, it, makes, uh, it brings the Bodhisattva to the first Bhumi? And then the Bodhisattva continues to meditate again on emptiness. And something more profound happens and then the Bodhisattva now goes to the second Bhumi. Okay? So it's, it's always meditating on emptiness, meditating on the true nature of reality. Okay? So before the Bodhisattva even uh, entered the first Bhumi, the Bodhisattva was meditating on emptiness. And that's what the Bodhisattva, and that's what, uh, so the, the Bodhisattva was uh, perfecting uh, the meditation on on uh, just perfecting the meditation, okay, and in perfecting the meditation, the perfect, perfecting the capacity to to have one-pointed uh, analysis, so to speak, and using emptiness as the object of that analysis. And while they were doing that, the bodhisattva was suppressing certain uh, 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 called kleshas. Was the uh, kleshas were being suppressed? And to a certain degree, where the, uh, the kleshas are being suppressed to a su- sufficient uh, degree, then one particular form of klesha was not only suppressed, but was destroyed by the power of the meditation of the bodhisattva, and by the power of meditating on, on emptiness. And then the bodhisattva was able to see emptiness directly, and the bodhisattva got to the first bhumi. And at achieving the first bhumi, the bodhisattva w- uh, destroyed certain seeds, certain seeds of ignorance, certain seeds of, of delusions were destroyed. And because these seeds were destroyed from the continuum of the Bodhisattva, that makes the Bodhisattva now even a more powerful meditator and makes the next time the Bodhisattva encounters uh, emptiness directly, it makes that experience even more profound. So that's what's happening from Bhumi to Bhumi to Bhumi. The Bodhisattva gotten, gets rid of certain things because of what... Uh, the previous work that Bodhisattva has done, 
and then because of, of the new the new platform that the Bod- from which the Bodhisattva is operating, it makes the the experience of maintaining an emptiness even a much more profound experience. So remember the five uh, the five obstacles. The, uh, from the very beginning, these five obstacles have to be suppressed in order for you to have uh, a deep absorption in uh, meditation. They're not destroyed in the beginning. The only thing that destroys them is a direct impact of seeing emptiness directly. So gradually these five were, um, uh, the seeds of these five uh, obstacles were destroyed. The very last one, the last one that that, uh, among the five that's left is the seed of doubt. Now, the seed of doubt is not necessarily you know, the kind of gross doubt that we experience where we don't know what to, whether to do this or whether to do that. But the very seed, even though the Bodhisattva doesn't manifest, the Bodhisattva up to the fifth Bhumi doesn't manifest any form of, uh, any form of doubt the way, we would un- the way we would understand doubt. But the, the, but the seed of doubt in the mind of the Bodhisattva makes the experience... It, the very presence of it in the continuum of the Bodhisattva makes the experience of directly perceiving emptiness uh, a, uh, not as profound as it, as, as, as it, would, as it, as it could be. Okay? Now, it doesn't mean that the Bodhisattva has a newer understanding of emptiness. It's the same emptiness that the Bodhisattva is, is perceiving since day one. Even before the direct perception of emptiness, that, that form of emptiness that the Bodhisattva sort of had had a clear conceptual understanding of is that same emptiness. Okay. So it's not so much that the Bodhisattva is getting wiser and wiser and wiser concerning emptiness. Okay. But it's that the the impact that 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 the Bodhisattva goes through is even gets more and more and more profound. So now the fifth the seed the seed of doubt because of the previous, because of the previous uh, Bhumi, the Bodhisattva has, because the Bodhisattva had removed uh, the seed of remorse, the seed of what, what we like to refer to as dysfunctional sense of guilt, because the seed of that is destroyed, it makes the meditation of the Bodhisattva even much more powerful. And now the, the Bodhisattva uh, now, much more powerful meditation doesn't mean, uh, again, that the Bodhisattva, there are certain levels of, of meditation that the Bodhisattva wasn't able to reach. The Bodhisattva, uh, you don't need to be a fifth Bhumi Bodhisattva to reach certain uh, meditations. But because of what the Bodhisattva brings into the meditation, because of the clarity of their mind, because their mind, because their continuum is, is absent of certain uh, seeds, then it makes the experience even even much more profound. Okay, so if, if some bodhisattvas even master, uh, well, depending on how you count them, they, you can say there are ten sort of general meditative absorptions. If you count uh, shine as one of them, if you don't count shine, then there are nine. Okay, so even earlier on, the bodhisattva sort of mastered all these meditative absorptions. Being able to, you know, shine is no problem. Able to enter the first form, all, all the meditations that are in the form realm, all the f- meditations that are in the formless realm, and then also uh, a powerful 
uh, enough to enter the meditation which is called the peak of psychic existence or the taste of nirvana meditation. Okay. Yet, uh, only uh, even, even those who are not bodhisattvas, even those who are not on the, on the path to liberation, can also master these meditations. So these meditations are not exceptional practices just for bodhisattvas, nor are they exceptional um, uh, practices for those who are seeking liberation. Even those who are seeking uh, uh, worldly things can master these meditations. And even the taste of nirvana meditation, uh, well, the ta- except for the taste of nirvana meditation, can only be realized by someone seeking liberation. Okay? Because only if somebody seeking liberation would like to taste, <laughs> would like to get a taste of nirvana. Right? Uh, So, and that requires uh, a a degree of cessation existing in the mind of the the, uh, the continuum of that being. That is, there are certain seeds for certain, uh, I'm looking for a nice little word, propensities, certain seeds, certain propensities just doesn't exist in that particular mind. And, and, and due to the absence of such pr- uh, propensities, that's what allows for uh, the practitioner to, experience, to have the taste of, to, have, to be able to uh, experience the, the, the tenth uh, meditative absorption called uh, peak of existence or taste of nirvana. Okay. But that experience itself, the taste of nirvana, is not something that anyone other than a bodhisattva can make use of. Okay. And it's not so much that uh, it is useless, it is more in a sense that such a state is so profound, such a state is so overwhelming, m- more to say, it's, more, more to, uh, it's, uh, it's better to say that way, it is so overwhelming that the person, the being who is engaged in that, all they can do is just uh, uh, um, sort of ride the meditation, so to speak. All they can do is be a passenger. They cannot, they, cannot, they cannot take it and become a driver. They can only be a passenger and wait for, the, wait for the whoever drive it, the force of the meditation to finish and then they come out of it. They cannot, make, they cannot use that meditation itself. itself. Okay? But only a bodhisattva who is of the fifth bhumi can actually enter that meditation and make use of it. Okay? Now, uh, depending on the, the the depth of the meditation that you're using, it makes the impact of the empty experience of, of seeing emptiness directly even more, uh, I would say, more uh, more powerful or more impactful. Okay, and the impact that 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 you as a practitioner, the impact that you're looking for in directly seeing emptiness is to destroy seeds, seeds that. Seeds that are co- uh, connected, connecting you to samsara. Okay. So, at the fifth bhumi, the bodhisattva, because of uh, having gotten rid of of, uh, of the propensities, certain propensities, especially specifically, the seed of of remorse is completely destroyed. Now, the bodhisattva's meditation is is, is spontaneous, powerful. And, and the Bodhisattva can make use of any, can, can, can enter into any meditative state and then make use of it. And because of that, the Bodhisattva, that itself is doing, is working on, on, uh, on the seed of doubt. 
the seed of doubt is being suppressed to a very strong degree. And also at, that, at the fifth bumi, the Bodhisattva is engaging in a, in a meditation that was done you know, in the very beginning, meditating on the emptiness of the four, uh, the four truths. Okay? And because of that, the Bodhisattva, have, there are certain, certain seeds that also uh, exist in the continuum of the Bodhisattva that are related to the Four Noble Truths. Uh, the uh, seed of thinking that, uh, or, or not, not intellectually thinking, but seed of innately uh, grasping, for example, that certain things don't have causes, certain things have causes, only certain things have causes, certain things don't have causes, uh, certain things that you experience come from some other, completely, completely other cause, things like that. So even though the Bodhisattva, on an intellectual level, will dismiss this, dismiss this altogether, but the seeds for these exist in the continuum of the Bodhisattva. And at the fifth Bhumi, because of their exceptional meditation that they have achieved, it allows them to, med- to meditate again on the Four Noble Truths, and then there are 16 different aspects, or 16 different delineations of the Four Noble Truths, and each one of the 16... Uh, call it 16 aspects of the Four Noble Truths, each one destroys a particular propensity for grasping at causes or wrong understanding at cause and of any effect. Okay? And because that is now destroyed, so now that is working on, on, on uh, that itself is working on suppressing further the seed of doubt. And until eventually because of the work of the fifth uh, level bodhisattva, eventually the seed of doubt is destroyed completely. And because the seed of doubt is destroyed completely, now none of the, none of the five uh, uh, obstacles ex- exist in, even in the put, in, even seed form in the continuum of the bodhisattva. And the bodhisattva is now completely forever free from these five obstacles. Remember the five obstacles are you no know, obstacles in the. Remember the five obstacles. <laughs> the, the five. Doubt is one. Uh, laziness. <laughs> laziness. Uh, Detach. Uh, attachment. Dysfunctional. Dysfunctional guilt, and one more. Well, that will be a, uh, attachment. The opposite of that. Anger. Anger. Okay, so so these seeds, these the the, the the these manifest, you know, in a regular sentient being, you know, not in form, not in seeds, not in, not in potential form, but you know, in actual manifest form. You know, we have attachment for this, we have a hatred for that, we have anger for this, and doubt and, and dysfunctional guilt, all, all these things. Just they just manifest in our mind. They exist in manifest form, and because they exist in manifest form in our mind, that's why it is such. We experience such uh, it is such a struggle for us to to calm our minds. It is such a struggle for us to get to any form of of, of a quiet quietude. Okay, so when we when we uh, are training our minds to become uh, to to meditate, what we are doing we are suppressing these. Okay, and when we suppress them sufficiently, then we are able to experience some sort of meditative state. Okay, now. Yes. Uh, how do those, you know, interrelate or differ from the 
So there, there are kleshas, but among the the group of kleshas, these these are the kleshas that that uh, that are uh, specific in terms of being uh, being uh, contrary to 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 achieving uh, a calm mind. Okay. okay. So they just yeah. move two and put two more in, yeah. and then that makes the one trigger specific for a calm mind. Yeah. So now, when when the seeds of these afflictions, particular afflictions, which are obstacles to meditative state, when they are completely destroyed, now the bodhisattva, uh, the last one is because of meditation on, because of the intense, clear meditation on, on uh, the the sixteen aspects of the four noble truths, and because of the bodhisattva now being able to. Uh, because of the 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 other four kleshas, uh, the other four uh, seeds are being destroyed, and now the Bodhisattva is able to actually enter into the meditation called the peak of psychic existence, and then at that at, and being able to use it. Then the when the when the Bodhisattva with that w- with all these uh, faculties uh, in the continuum of the Bodhisattva. All these qualities there present when the Bodhisattva now engages in the in the direct perception of, of, of emptiness directly, then the seed of doubt is destroyed, and because of the seed of doubt is being destroyed, now the Bodhisattva is now uh, uses the very meditation of of uh, the peak of psychic existence, using that. Entering into that meditation on the peak of psychic existence, the Bodhisattva uses that meditation to to analyze the ultimate nature of reality, and then seeing the ultimate nature of reality with that state of mind, then the Bodhisattva is is now capable. Uh, no, the Bodhisattva is now. Uh, what is it? Has the the effect of of emptiness. Is even more profound for the Bodhisattva, okay, and because of this even uh, more profound effect of, of of emptiness, it is that's why it is said that the Bodhisattva has an exceptional practice or, or an exceptional understanding of of emptiness, of wisdom, or the practice of wisdom, okay. So it's because of all these factors being being being, being there, none of the seeds are present anymore. None of the seeds of the doubts are present anymore. So the, the continuum of the Bodhisattva is freer. The Bodhisattva is able to now meditate on emptiness with the with, with the with the with the meditative state that was too overwhelming for for those earlier. That they they, they could enter it, they could experience it, they would have nice experiences. Wow, this nirvana is really good. I I, I really want it now. Okay, <laughs> but they can, when they are in that meditation, they cannot make use of it. They cannot use it. To analyze. Now the Bodhisattva, because they are free, they can use that meditation. They analyze emptiness with it. Okay, and the emptiness that they come into direct perception of within that meditation is is extremely profound. 
and that in that in the sense that it we it uh, it destroys because remember the nine the nine innate uh, delusions remember the nine at each Rumi there's there's one uh, one innate delusion is destroyed okay that's different from the five that were, that which were specifically for um, uh, obstacles to meditation okay. Now there's the nine innate uh, ignorance, you know, big, 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 small, big, and so forth, right? So now the Bodhisattva gets rid of. W- once the Bodhisattva is approaching uh, the, the the more subtle ones, okay, the the nine already gr- nine grades from they go from gross to subtlety, okay. So big, big is very gross compared to small, small, okay, and small, small is the very last one. So the gross ones are easier to tackle, easier to remove than the subtle ones. And the only way for the Bodhisattva to be completely free of the subtle innate uh, uh, seeds of ignorance is for the Bodhisattva's own continuum to become, uh, to be pure. Pure in the sense of not having even the propensity for certain kleshas. So only having completely uh, being free and, and when the Bodhisattva is completely free of a certain propensity, it is said that the Bodhisattva has achieved a cessation. Okay? So now, the meditation that the Bodhisattva engages to see emptiness directly on the sixth Bhumi is called uh, an absorption of cessation. That is, a meditative absorption where there is a, where the continuum that is experiencing that absorption has, is, is a continuum that it has experienced cessations. Okay. Cessations mean that propensities for certain things just don't exist there anymore. Okay. Like propensity to be angry. It just, they're just, they're, that just doesn't exist in the continuum of Bodhisattva anymore. Okay. But, but the propensity that is, that is uh, the more uh, we say the less of, of propensities that exist in the mind of the Bodhisattva, the more powerful the meditation becomes. Okay, and the more powerful the meditation becomes, the more powerful the engagement, the, uh, the impact on emptiness becomes. Okay, so now, uh, if we were the ten Bhumis uh, are described in the Dasha Bhumi uh, Sutra. And that's a, that the, the, the Dasha Bhumi simply means ten Bhumis. <laughs> uh, the ten Bhumi Sutra is in the, you find it in the flower ornament scripture. It was translated recently, well not recently, I mean recently in terms of big history, <laughs> by uh, Thomas, not Thomas? Cleary? Thomas Cleary. Thomas Cleary? Thomas Cleary. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful translation. In, in, uh, you can get it from... Know, from from Amazon or wherever you go get your books from. What's it called? It's called the Flower Ornament Scripture, Flower. and it's a uh, you know about this thick. <laughs> and somewhere in there, there's the uh, one of the chapters is the uh, Ten Bumis uh, chapter, and it goes into extensive ex- ex- uh, explaining each of the Bumis in a very extensive way, very very beautiful way. And the the commentarial source 
that goes into describing the ten bumis in an extensive way, like in one in one book, you you may find, you know, of course, the, you will find the ten bumis scattered throughout uh, uh, the, the different commentaries in some places in there. But the the one place where all of them are, uh, are described is in the book by uh, Chandrakirti. It's uh, entering the entering the middle way or middle way meaning Madhyamika. Yeah. Okay. And there are several already uh, translation and commentaries on 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 that. Uh, you can fi- also find them from Amazon or wherever. Now you might get confused because uh, exactly who's explaining the middle way to you, <laughs> depending on who's explaining the middle way to you, there will be a different interpretations. Okay. Uh, within the Tibetan uh, tradition, for uh, as an example. Uh, Almost all the other schools, that is, when you look at the, the, the four schools, uh, the Nyingma, the Nyingma, Sakya, no. I'm trying to go in order of history. Nyingma, Sakya, Kagyu. I always get the Kagyu and, uh, and uh, Sakya reverse. I'm not sure which one comes first. Kagyu comes first. Yeah, okay. Nyingma, Kagyu, Sakya, and then, of course, Gelukpa. Okay. Now, all the other three are disagree with the Gilupa's interpretation of, 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 of Madhyamika. And they seem to have some sort of uh, overwhelming consensus as to their interpretation of, me, of Madhyamika. Okay. Uh, so that's really where the, the Gilupa is sort of like uh, really uh, let me say uh, Distinguish themselves. That's what really distinguishes the Gelupa from, from the other schools is the Gelupa's interpretation of Madhyamika. Okay. Now, as for as for the you know other kind of stuff, you know which deity they follow, that's superficial because they all follow the same Buddha. As they all have initiation the same deities. They may have little differences in terms of. Uh, okay, we say we one says you know Sangye Chedang, no someone says Sangye you know. Or something like that. Okay, and so the the wording, the wording in the prayers may be different because, you know, of course, the wording is going to be different because the the prayers that they are reciting is uh, prayers that were, you know, composed by the the practitioners of that particular tradition. Of course, taking a standard model, of course, right, and they elaborate upon that model. So the real difference between the the Gelukpa and the and the other school is in the interpretation of Madhyamika. So, here we have a text entering the introduction to the middle way or entering the middle way, which is explaining what is Madhyamika because by the time of Chandrakirti, there was a confusion as to exactly what is, what is Madhyamika. Madhyamika is the, is, the, is, the, I would say is the arrogant title <laughs> given by Nagarjuna to a system that he, uh, he presented. And when I say arrogant title, is in the sense that all of Buddhism is called the middle way. And then you have one particular, we have one guy saying, oh, he is the middle way, by the way. <laughs> it's sort of saying, all you guys, you don't really have Buddhism. You don't really understand Buddhism the way it's supposed to be understood. Here's how Buddhism is supposed to be understood. So I'm calling it, it's, it's, it's almost, it's, it's, it's tantamount to Nagarjuna calling his system Buddhism. Okay, to call it the middle way is to call it Buddhism. Okay, so Nagarjuna 
uh, clarified the 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 uh, made made uh, according to those who follow Nagarjuna, <laughs> made very clear what was the intention of the Buddha. Okay, uh, specifically the wisdom intention of the Buddha. Okay. And uh, Nagarjuna's famous disciple was Aryadeva, and Aryadeva explained what Nagarjuna w- was saying. And those two are very, you know, very, very interlinked, very locked into each other. And then later on, others trying to understand what Nagarjuna and Aryadeva are explaining, then they have disagreements. And then the dis- disagreements really fall into two main, categ- two main categories, what is called Madhyamika Svatantika and Madhyamika Prasangika. Now in India, there was no such distinction. Those who are being called Madhyamika Svatantika never call themselves Madhyamika Svatantika. They call themselves Madhyamika. And those who are called Madhyamika Prasangika will never, never call themselves Madhyamika Prasangika. They call themselves Madhyamika. But they had uh, slight differences in, of interpreting Nagarjuna. So that's where the two, two different uh, schools uh, out of, came out of, of, of India. Okay. Now, the Madhyamika is a is a is an important topic now. Not that in the Buddha, uh, uh, in the Dashabhumi Sutra, where the Buddha was saying, "Okay, now let's talk about Madhyamika." <laughs> uh, I mean, as far as the Buddha was concerned, from the from the moment he he, he started to speak, he was talking about the middle way. When he said, "You know, the four, uh, when he said uh, the existence as we know it is suffering and there's a cause for it. No, when he was speaking the Four Noble Truths, the Buddha was speaking Madhyamika. Okay? So, in the Dashabhumi Sutra, the Buddha doesn't say, okay, now let's talk about Madhyamika. Right? So, now you have these, uh, these, uh, I almost said these cats. <laughs> Must be from uh, the 60s or something. <laughs> now you have these cats. <laughs> Who call themselves Madhyamika, <laughs> Madhyamikats. <laughs> and I'm not making fun of them, just you know, being uh, lively here. <laughs> uh, you have these uh, these uh, scholars who, who who are calling, who are sort of uh, bringing a new interpretation. What seems to be a new interpretation of 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 uh, of, of, of the Buddha's words, and the, and the, and that gets the name the middle way or Madhyamika. And within that, as soon as you know, get the, to the fourth, fifth generation, there's already you know, there's already disagreement as to what did what did Nagarjuna mean? I mean, the Buddha comes a few generations later after the Buddha goes. Oh, this is what the Buddha means. No, no, Buddha didn't mean that. So you get so again, start getting different understanding. Okay. Now you have Mandya, you have uh, Nagarjuna comes. Oh, this is what the Buddha meant. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. And then later, uh, a few generations later, wait a minute, that's not what Nagarjuna meant. This is what Nagarjuna meant. So you have these different understandings, okay? But in India itself, uh, the, the different, the, the Chandrakirti and Baba, Vive, uh, Baba Viveka and so on and so forth were dis- seeming disagreeing with each other, but they never considered each, they never considered the other one to be of a different school, okay? They considered themselves to be of the same school. It, hmm? Yeah, debate more in uh, uh, they would debate. Actually, it it cons- the division or the the disagreement concern is is con- uh, con- uh, the division 
concerns specifically debate, the form of debate. How do you debate? So Svatantrika and Prasangika is about uh, the way to, to get to truth is to lead the person to a consequence. And the, and the other one said, no, the, one, the way to get someone to understanding Mayamika is to present them what, what it is. Okay? And, and, and then that, that, that's really what this disagreement is about. And now in, in, in Tibet, now the first, interestingly enough, we probably know about this, interestingly enough, the first Madhyamika work to arrive in Tibet was of the one which is now called the Lower Madhyamika. So when that Madhyamika arrived in Tibet, everybody was praising it as you know, the one most wonderful, the highest thing ever. And then, almost, almost like uh, what happened here after the, the, the Dark Ages, it's an, uh, we didn't go to a text in the Dark Ages to, to sort of take us out of the Dark Ages, we went to texts before the Dark Ages to take us out of the Dark Ages. Remember? Or am I misunderstanding? No, I, mean, I don't know what you mean at all. You don't know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Do you remember? No. I don't think it meant us Dark Ages. You mean the, with the Renaissance? You know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they went back to biblical, right? Is that what you're referring to? I mean, they went back to... Yeah, the Dark Ages was like a... a 600 to 10 AD. Okay. Remember, the, the Dark Ages uh, was a, a very fundamental, so to speak, interpretation of. of now they have now uh, Europe or the world had uh, at that point had uh, had the Bible, and now because of the interpretations of the Bible, and this was just newly introduced, so there were interpretations of the Bible, so they were come up with these ideas: the world flat. The world is, uh, you know, all these kinds of things. The, 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 the earth is the center of the universe. And, and, and interestingly enough, prior to this new knowledge that just arrived in the, in the ancient, in the Greek times, the, in the uh, Greek writings, ancient Greek writings, there were already investigations of the universe as, you know, the sun being the center, not the earth, and, and things like that. So, after the Dark Ages, what, what, what got us out of the Dark Ages was not to refer to the text that was being produced in the Dark Ages or some new text, but to actually read the translation of the ancient, ancient Greek text. And that's what modern science came out of, <laughs> interestingly enough. Okay? So, in a somewhat similar way, so the newer stuff uh, uh, that was being introduced to Tibet, as far as the Tibetans were concerned, the new stuff that was coming from India was the inter, was the uh, in the Madhyamika that is that is now the lower Madhyamika. But when it was introduced there, it was you know, the the new uh, rave, you know, the 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 the, the, the most profound uh, 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 presentation of the Buddha's under, uh, thought. And later on, Prasa Madhyamika Prasangika came to Tibet. And because of this later uh, introduction of, 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 of uh, Madhyamika, then you have all, you know, imagine you, you have this understanding of Madhyamika or understanding of the, the Buddha's thought that you thought was supreme, and all of a sudden something else comes in and says, what you thought was supreme is not supreme, this is what supreme is. Okay? Uh. Well, you referred to the Thesis text, uh, which was the first introductory 
But that, that was with Kamala Shira. Yeah, that was before before Atisha. Actually, it was Atisha. Yeah, yeah. So when uh, so trying to make a distinction between oh, wait, 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 after this was Uma. And now this is saying something somewhat something slightly different, and and it was in Tibet that they got their names Madhyamika Svatantika, Madhyamika Prasangika. Okay. Well, uh, uh, those exact words didn't come from Tibet. Those exact words actually came from the West. <laughs> so the West, you know, always trying to you know uh, with their. Uh, Love affair with Sanskrit, so they took the trans- they took the word the names that the Tibetans gave them and translated those into Sanskrit. That's what gives us the illusion that those names existed ever since ever since uh, since then. Those words didn't exist then. Uh, the West we in the West invented those words Prasangika and and, and Svatantika. Okay, from f- translating. The, the division, the distinction that the, the Tibetans made about, uh, about who, 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 what is Madhyamika. Okay. Now, because of, of the trying to understand what is Madhyamika, so the other text, uh, the other commentarial text that I was mentioning to, I was referring to, uh, that where all the ten bumis are explained, it is explained within the context by Master Chantra uh, Kirti he wasn't really trying to explain the ten bumis. He was really trying to explain what is the Madhyamika view. And then he explained it within the context of the ten bumis. And finally, when he gets to the sex bumi, that's his, that was his chance to now, since he's talking about wisdom, the highest, now the Bodhisattva has the highest form of wisdom. So what is this highest form of wisdom that the Bodhisattva has? Of course, since Sandakiti is a is a is a Madhyamika, and since his Madhyamika view is a Prasangika view, so ma, it's the Madhyamika Prasangika view that is being presented here. Now, and then when I mentioned the other schools, although this text is coming from Chandrakirti, he's saying, well, this is Madhyamika, and this is the the best way of understanding Madhyamika. Now we have the Tibetans now who are who, who are now reading the same text. And, and now we're saying, okay, this is what Chandrakirti said. And then, and then others, and the other school said, I'm sorry. <laughs> From what I read, this is not what Chandrakirti is saying. This is what Chandrakirti is saying. So now we have different ideas. So, exactly when you, uh, when you do find, uh, I, mean, I think, the, yeah, you, you will find translations of the Tibetan works uh, of, I think, of, of the different schools. That is uh, the Nyingma, the Kagyu, the Sakya. I'm not sure about the Sakya that much, but the Kagyu maybe, and the Nyingma. And of course, you will find a translation of the, the, the Gelupa text. And each of these texts are explaining what is Uma, what is Madhyamika. And when once, uh, so, so as far as up to the sixth yoga, I mean, not the sixth yoga, up to the fifth uh, Bhumi, they're all in agreement. Okay, this happened, this happened, this happened. And when it gets to the sixth, the, the six, this chapter now, the chapter explaining the sixth Bhumi, then there's a bit of difference. And the, 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 the thing that, the main thing that the other schools have, uh, the main gripe 
that the other schools have about uh, with the Gelupa is the Gelupa's presentation or understanding of the conventional. Okay. Uh, they, according to the other school, the Gelupas give too much emphasis on on the sign or the relevance. Relevance. Maybe relevance. Maybe maybe a different word. But they, they, they give too much to the conventional. And the Gelupas say, and the Gelupa, of course, you know, have to defend their their, their why do they give so much importance to the conventional. According to the Gelupa, no matter where you are, no matter what state of enlightenment or non-enlightenment that you are ex experiencing or expressing, that expression is a conventional. And then the other, the other schools have different ideas about what is a conventional. Some, uh, some of them equate the conventional with ignorance. So, for them, any sign of, 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 of a manifestation, any sign of a manifestation of a conventional is a sign of, of some some kind of ignorance. So according to them, the Buddhas do not experience any conventional, because the conventional is equated to uh, ignorance. Since Buddhas don't have ignorance whatsoever, so they don't experience conventional. But the prasang uh, not prasangikas the the Gelupas say then whatever whatever when 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 you hear the Buddha the, the Buddha appears somewhere when you hear the Buddha is teaching somewhere that is a conventional that is a conventional and when you hear the Buddha's paradise when you have the Buddha's paradise when you hear the Buddha's teaching in the Buddha's paradise that paradise the form the Buddha takes that's a conventional okay so th that, this is where the the, the the, the Gelupas and the other ones disagree as far as interpreting interpreting the Madhyamika. Okay. I don't get that. Which one do you don't get? Well, I don't get how conventional is used. Is, is it a, is it a word or it has a meaning? I mean, doesn't hmm. it have a meaning? I thought it did mean kind of ignorance. Ah, yeah, it's sort of ignorance. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know so little, but mm -hmm. I mean, that was. I mean, it, it's before you have wisdom that things look conventional, right? Uh, no. That, no. Yeah, I mean, I mean <laughs> the, the, this is where the, the Gelupas and the other ones are, have this, the disagreement. The, the, the Gelupas will say no to what you're to, to your, what you're saying. Others will say, oh, yeah, that's exactly it. Mm -hmm. okay. So, what, so explain the Oh, that's that's what we're gonna get into. <laughs> So I have to make a long introduction to uh, <laughs> talking about not ultimate anymore, but talking about the conventional. Okay, and we don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> next time, which is not next Sunday, actually. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> the following Sunday. Oh no, not next Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> this is a life. <laughs> So next Sunday, we next, <laughs> next Sunday we won't meet because uh, next Sunday is uh, talk, uh, set you. Uh, that's when they do the Guru Puja. Next Sunday, next Sunday will be the, the will be the Guru Puja day, okay? And we will be doing Guru Puja. Really? Yeah.
21st, yeah. Yeah, Tsongkhapa Day falls on a, on a Guru Puja Day. They both, okay. Yeah. Next Sunday. Yeah, next Sunday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the group has called it the Tsongkhapa Day. The other schools, no, it's just another Sunday. It's just another Sunday. <laughs> Yeah, uh, all this. Each school have has its own guru, guru puja, guru uh, uh, day for the galupas. You know, they celebrate the birthday of this on Kappa. The uh, the other school will celebrate the birthday of their founder, and that becomes their equivalent of uh, this on Kappa day. Is guru puja celebrated on a certain day of every month? Or no. <laughs> I'm calling it the Guru Puja because that's what th- that's what uh, that's that's how you were introduced to it. But it's called uh, the tenth or the fifteenth day, okay. And on that on those days, those who have commitments, they do a, they do a, uh, what is called the Gana Chakra. The oof. Yeah. On Gana Chakra Day. Uh, we do Guru Puja or something else that has the same elements. Hmm. Ah, so the mighty Bodhisattva on the sixth Bhumi <laughs> is now having a profound experience of, uh, of emptiness. And the reason for that is because of the meditation, the mind that the that the the mind of the bodhisattva experiencing emptiness at that at that point makes the experience more impactful, more profound. Okay. And what is the, that mind of the bodhisattva? It's a mind free of completely free of this, even the propensities for the five kleshas, and it is free of now. How many is it free of? Now it's at middling, middling, middle, middle, medium, medium. Okay, it's, it's exactly at medium, medium. Okay. So everything, all the gross ones before medium, medium, the Bodhisattva is free of. So the Bodhisattva is free of five, right? So you have uh, big, big, small, big, no, medium, big, small, big, big, <laughs> medium, big. don't confuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again. Big big. Big big. Big medium. Big medium. Big small. Big small. Medium big. Medium big. Medium medium. <laughs> medium, medium. Yeah, you, you're getting confused also. Right. Medium medium. medium, medium. Okay, that's it. So the worst advice we have all these. Okay. So I mean completely the free the of them. The yeah, the innate so ignorance. Innate ignorance, yeah. So it's free of five levels of innate ignorance, free of five propensities to the of kleshas, so that mind, the continuum that Bodhisattva is, is, com- is like you know, very pure, and that the purity of the Bodhisattva's mind makes whatever the Bodhisattva do uh, very 
Så man nu kan få kvar. Men Okay. I'll take that. Whatever they do is very special. Okay. So it's not just when they're meditating on emptiness that that experience becomes very special. So whatever they do, whether they, you know, giving whether performing the act of giving, whether they're helping somebody cross the street, whether they, you know, uh, having a cup of coffee, it makes the experience very special. Okay. Right? Right. Quickly, um, hmm? is there some way that we can make having a cup of coffee or tea special? Oh, yeah. What makes it special? Offering it? You mean experience it as special, yeah. or make the make it uh, uh, special, like all? Oh, you got you got to do some work. You can start by just thinking of it as a special occasion. You transform it into it's not just coffee anymore; it's something incredible and then you, you offer it to the enlightened beings and the merit of that is to help all beings become free of suffering. That, it won't be an experience but it will be uh, something, some thought that's something that you go through your mind. That makes it, yeah, makes it somewhat special. <laughs> okay. okay. We are done. <laughs> I got a tough crowd coming after. <laughs> okay, so uh, page 16 and uh, 26.
I met someone uh, who's actually working on making the English translation meter into a meter form the same way that you have the Tibetan into a meter form. Yeah. For all the things? For the hard pictures? No, for everything. I mean, it won't be, she will not be doing every single thing, but she's going to start it, give people an idea as to what can be done. So we have to, may have to drop some trans- some words and come up with some other words so we can get to the, yeah. Yeah, nice. That way, finally, you can sing it in English. <laughs> yeah. So that's why you laughed at the way they're doing it in California. <laughs> they made up Wait a minute, did I laugh at them? <laughs> Well, it, 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 there's no meter there, actually. No meter. No. It's just, it's just no, singing whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.